and welcome to another edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast, which is brought to you by fans for fans where the content is free. It's a bonus episode tonight, guys, of the Jersnet Podcast. We're going to have a wee look at the St. Johnson game tomorrow, eh, as well as a couple of wee bits and bobs that have been happening through the week. Eh, I'm your host, I'm Colin Armstrong. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've got a frog in my throat again. Uh, as I say to you all the time, guys, it's not just the, the podcast we have here at Jersey. We've got the forums, we've got articles on the website, uh, there's a history archive, social media, all that stuff. So get yourself on there. Uh, if you know, it's the first time you've listened to us or, or watched us, then we would ask you to subscribe. Put a good word out there for us on social media. Uh, we're live tonight. It's Tuesday night before Rangers take on St. Johnson uh, at McDermott Park. But the podcast will be available to download or stream on a variety of platforms from tomorrow, including ACAST iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher, Spotify, all the usual places, guys, uh, we can week out. Uh, Brian, I'm a guest now, and it's John McCallum, and uh, we were comparing mugs before we came on air. I think I'm winning, John. I've, I've, I've got the 1987 away shirt. Well, it's, it's quite good. I've got the, the uh, last trip to Belfast mug. So, all right. you know, elements of staunch, but you win. I'll give you that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm quite impressed. But I, I, I don't know if you know the story of the mug. I, I got it just before Christmas time. But I was so paranoid, and we were talking about this other day there on the WhatsApp, you know. <laughs> I was so paranoid about using it, because every Saturday I, I had a different mug. I would sit down with my cup of tea and watch the game, and we would win. So I couldn't change my routine. So it sat for like three, four months in my cupboard, unused, until we until we got over the line. But it's getting well used now. So yeah. We are perfectly sane, normal people, newsly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. nothing no right about that part at all. Yeah. I'm so trying to say if we well, oh, well Sunday Sunday was good. I, was, I haven't stopped smiling since Sunday. Um, <laughs> Sunday, I mean, we did the preview on Friday night, and I think we were both. I think we were both felt if we if we turned up, we'd win. And and what was nice was we turned up. You know, the, the, the you know we, certainly the first half hour. Yeah, yeah. We were we were all over them. Um, inevitably, they had um, chances. Inevitably, they had. Uh, some of the ball in the second half but um, you know w- when we turned up we we just looked much better yeah. um, and I think he tactically got it right you know bringing Arfield in and putting our Evo up um, gave us two flanks well he must, you know. he must have listened to us as their advice on Friday because that's well we know he does you know we know he does yeah we know he does so do, do you think we'll get a wee you know a wee thank you from him or maybe a wee bonus somewhere no? I think uh, new mugs maybe Maybe new mug. A new mug for Stevie G would be cool. Like I would, I would take that. You know what I mean? That would be good. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, I mean, um, Sunday was fantastic. Yeah, I have yeah. to say, I, I really enjoyed the match. Um, it, it, it's, it would have been, despite everything that's happened this season, it's been a great season. Going out the cup to them at that yeah. stage, yeah, would have been a, you know, it wouldn't have spoiled the season, but it certainly would have. You know, it would have made them, the, the, the rest of them want something of an anti-climax. So, yeah, um, and I, it kind of feels like the season's, <clears throat> I mean, don't get me wrong, delighted that we've won it so early. You know what I mean? It's just it's just such an agreement yeah. on this team and how good they are. But I, I, I do feel that when we went out to uh, Sparta or Slavia or whoever it was, uh, yeah. that felt like a, a wee turning moment in the season yeah. and a wee bit of the impetus came out of it. So yeah, it's good that we've you know we've still. I mean, obviously there's unbeaten thing that we want to keep going for, but that to me that's a wee bit of a side show. I would like to get it, but the main goal has been achieved. You know, we've, we've won the league, so it's good that we can. You know, there's still a trophy to go for, and as you say, losing to them, losing it to them would have been sore. I can remember <clears throat> I was at Hamden 
when we were going for the treble in 1989 and Joe Muller scored that yeah. goal, Gary Stevens. I still never forgiven Gary, Gary Stevens for that. I still never forgiven him. He was the best man in the park that day. He was the <laughs> best player in the park by a country mile. Uh, but never forgiven. It's, uh, it's something he's renowned for, Gary Stevens. He'd done it in the FA Cup final as well, a short pass back. He put an Ian Rush and Everton lost. Uh, but I was there that day. And even though we'd won the that. league and we'd won the League Cup, the season did end in a wee bit. Yeah. Of, uh, it left the summer just, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Until we signed Morris Johnson and then Brown was great again. <laughs> then we That's a whole different podcast. Again, going, oh, how are you doing, mate? You all right? <laughs> a whole different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, John, I, until tomorrow night, uh, you know, St. Johnson, I, I, I think, you know, obviously there's four games to go. You know, as I was saying there, you know, there's still got a wee bit of something to play for in terms of trying to go the season un- un- undefeated. So, I mean, tomorrow night, obviously coming off a, a, a great result. Uh, we won there 3-0 the last time we were there. I think it was just a couple of days uh, before Christmas. Uh, so, I mean, St. Johnson have had a good season. I, I don't mm. think you can deny that. You know, they're finishing the top six. Uh, and they've, they've won the, the Betfred Cup. So and a, and a good run, a good run to get them at the top six. Yeah. yeah. So you'd have to say that Callum Davidson's done a great job, you know, and it's it's a good achievement for them. But I was looking at the league table today, we are 52 points ahead of them. Wow. They're on 40 points. Yeah. <laughs> We're on 92. You know what I mean? So it, oh, it, it can be a tricky place to go to. You know, I've been there a, a few times in the years and, you know, sometimes it can be tri- quite tricky. But you would, you would hope, even if he does freshen it up a wee bit, which we'll, we'll talk about soon, you would hope that we've got enough to get a result there tomorrow. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a funny game because both teams are are, are coming into this game with one eye in the weekend. Yeah. Um, and, and so I expect this Johnson team, you know, you know, it's, um, they'll be looking at, at Saturday's game and, or, or sorry, Sunday's game and saying, right, well, you know, that's the important one. They, they can't qualify for Europe. Um, they don't really have anything to play for. Um, so I suspect there are quite a few changes in their team um, too. I think they'll rest a few of their key players. Um, you know, they'll use this game to uh, see. I could see them sending out a few cluggers to try and take a few of our guys out um, for the weekend. But um, yeah, you would certainly expect, even with a change team, um, you would expect us to have enough to, to beat them. The game was a, a, there was a stuffy team at, at Ibrox. Um, we beat them 1-0. Hadji scored a nice goal. Um but they were they were stuffy, you know. They were kind of playing, paying the the flat back twelve in that game, and, and um, you know, I, I, you would kind of hope at home they won't. You kind of hope at home with with not a lot to at stake that they might, you know, try something else. But I, I suspect Davidson will be looking to um, tactically see where, if there's any way they can hurt us. Is there any way of of um, you know what we we'll do is quite what we'll learn tomorrow night for for either manager. I don't. I think we probably all know each other well enough. Um, but uh, I, I'm not sure it's going to be much of a give us much of an insight into into Sunday's game. But um, yeah, we should we we have enough to win if if we turn up if we're in the right frame of mind. Uh, Gary McAllister, uh, Stevie G didn't didn't come out for the press shoot. He said it was Gary Gary McAllister. As I sort of alluded to earlier on, he suggested that <clears throat> excuse me, they would they would probably freshen the team up tomorrow. So I was I was kind of looking at the options for players coming in. I found out a wee start actually that that will put to you, uh, but you know you're looking at guys like like Roof who's obviously been out injured recently, right? Who's who looks like he's been itching to get a, a decent amount of game time, you know, Bassey, Eaton, th- those kind of guys. Uh, a we a we start on Roof that I discovered today, John, which I find quite interesting. I was I was looking at, I was comparing his starts with Morelos and his conversion rate, 
and it, it's it's off the charts compared to Morelos. I think Morelos is his conversion rate is like nineteen percent or something like that. And Roofs is like thirty three point three. So even though he plays less games, he's scoring more goals, and I think he's scoring a goal like every hundred twenty nine minutes or something like that. And Morelos is it's like every like one hundred sixty minutes or something. I can't quite remember, but there is a, a, a striking difference between. Uh, their, their, their sort of conversion rate and it makes you wonder you know would, would he have challenged more if it wasn't for the injuries you know what I mean would, would they have really put a challenge in, on Morelos for that sort of you know sort of number nine position if it, if it wasn't for his injuries because it, it doesn't feel like that it feels like Morelos is the main man you know what I mean but when I was looking at those stats today I found it quite interesting uh, I would say that he that Ruth was first choice um, when when he picked up his injury um, I think Ruth had, you know, dislodged is maybe too strong a word, but I think Ruth had had nosed ahead in the pecking order at the start of the season. Um, I mean, remember Ruth, you know, the, um, some of the European games um, before Christmas, been, you know, Ruth was absolutely outstanding in them. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think Ruth had just edged ahead of Morelos before he picked up his injury. Um, and what's interesting is Morelos's form since then was excellent. You know, yeah. Morelos was kind of a bit hit and miss at the start of the season. Um, but, but his form, um, ironically, the opposite of, of previous seasons, his, his form in the second half of the season has been absolutely fantastic. Um, and I, I'm a wee bit wary of these kind of stats, um, partly because I'm old and I'm a curmudgeon and I don't understand them entirely. But I think also um, I, I'm a little wary of them because I don't think they take in to, to uh, I don't think they take in the context of a game and I think Morelos just now creates so much space for other players um, he's so good at holding up so good at winning free kicks um, you know he's coming deep so folk can go past him um, his link up play has, has greatly improved um, you know I, I, I would I still think Morelos is our first choice when everybody's fit I think Morelos is our first choice I don't think he's going to play tomorrow night um, I hope he's not going to play tomorrow night. You know, I, I think we'll give him a rest. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Defoe get a run tomorrow night as well. Um, but I would be surprised. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Ruth. I think I think Ruth will come in. But it's an interesting start. I, I think Ruth's an excellent striker. He's got to stay fit. That, that's yeah, that's no, the challenge with Ruth. Is to stay fit. Yeah. Any any others you think could could maybe get a wee bit of game time? I mean, I, I think right's the obvious one. I would like to see. I mean, we're talking about Roof here, and we're and we're talking about maybe Defoe getting a bit of game time. But I always like seeing. I think you could see wholesale changes. Sorry? I think you, I think you could see wholesale changes. I think you could see. Um, I think you could see the keeper being changed. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think there. I think Bassey has a chance. I wonder if Simpson might might start. Um, well, he might like said the Ted, I always like it when he gets a run out. I, I would be surprised if he doesn't in. Uh, I don't think Kent will play. Um, midfield is is probably the area where we're a bit short. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and I think he'd like to give Davis and, and Kamara a rest. I'm not sure he can. Um, I think Arfield will play because I think he needs games. Um, so I think he'll play. Um, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if 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 either Davis or Kamara is is left out. Um, but yeah, I, I think you'll see. I think it's, I think big changes tomorrow night. You know, I think it'll be a completely different team um, from the one that played uh, on Sunday, and I think it'll be completely different from the one that plays this Sunday. Do you think, you know, based on the issues that we had at St. Murn, as, 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 as maybe Stephen Gerrard, you're saying you think you'll see wholesale changes? Do you think that 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 night at St. Murn when we got put out the Betfred Cup, do you think that'll maybe just put them off going for that, and maybe just leave one or two in there? No, I don't. I don't think. I mean, I think it matters to us 
um, getting through the season unbeaten. I'm not sure. You know, I don't know. I, I think what's more important to the club just now is winning the Scottish Cup. You know, when it, we, 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 we've won the league, which was the, the ultimate goal, and then now it's about winning the Scottish Cup. And so I think the sensible thing you rest, you rest key players when you can, um, and bring them back in for the cup game. So uh, you know, I don't think I think in actual fact this at Mum game will have taught them to to you know play the strongest team um, in, in in the cup game. Plus, it was a different time in the season. I mean, a we hadn't won the league, and b we were still playing in Europe at that point. Yeah, and you can kind of understand why I brought in some of the French players for that match. Um, and we should have had enough to beat them. We certainly should have had enough to get through the 90 minutes. When you get back to two each at that point, the momentum was all with us. You know, there's no way we should have lost that game in 90 minutes. Um, the, 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 I think one of the biggest compliments I can pay to Stephen Gerrard is that he has learned from his mistakes. And when he's made a mistake, they've gone away and understood what mistake did we make? How do we make sure we don't make this again? And you've seen that this season with us pushing on after Christmas, when in the previous two seasons we've fallen away. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you, you've, you've also seen that, I think, in how he's managed certain players. I mean, look, look what, what Tav brought us this season, even look at Morelis. Um, so I, I don't expect fringe players to play against Johnson this weekend, but I think they will play um, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. <clears throat> and in terms of players coming back, uh, a chance for Tav to maybe make an appearance at some point tomorrow, do you think? That's the... That's the that's the difficult one, isn't it? Um, do you give him this game to give him to try and get his match fitness back up, or do you keep him out to just give him another another week working on his fitness and and you know take away the risk that he picks up a a niggle or a knock? Um, I don't know. Patterson needs games as well. Strangely, you know, in the end, what's Patterson played like seven games his entire career. Um, you know, he he needs games. You know, none of us know what the future holds with Tav. I don't mean, I don't mean that I expect. Um, I don't mean that I expect uh, that he will be, um, you know, leaving the club in the summer. I don't think that's. Well, who knows who come in from? I don't think necessarily that's likely, but um, I do think there's a you know a chance that that you know we'll need to. Um, I don't think we can get another full season at a Tav like we got last season. You know, I just think that's not physically possible on a player. Um, but we'll see. And, and uh, there's there's still, I think, the word on the, on the appeal against the ban yeah. will come through at some point as well, which I guess will have some bearing on whether Zungu and um, whether Zungu and Parson can play anyway. So that might take that decision out of our hands. Balogun's still injured, doesn't he? So... Yeah, I don't know. yeah. I'm not sure. Who could play right back if Patterson's out? If 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 Tav's not fit um, and Patterson's suspended, I, I don't know. Turn up your boots. I think you've got a chance. That's exactly what I was going to say. I'm just going to head up, head up to Perth and uh, uh, somebody's saying Lee and King, but no, I'll turn up with my boots. I'll... <laughs> you can just tell him you are Lee and King. You know, I'm sure you could pass for a 17 year old. <laughs> Seven, 17 stone, maybe. Uh, <laughs> now. Uh, in terms of watching the game tomorrow, I mean, you, you were you were alluding earlier on there that you, you sort of had you know you watched on a stream and all the rest of it. I, I, I only found out earlier on today that the game isn't on like Sky or Premier Sports or other kind of thing or BT, that it's on Saints TV. Seventeen pound fifty to to buy the stream. Uh, now I, I get that clubs are struggling. It's a real hard time for clubs. You know, especially the big clubs who are looking to break away into some super duper, you know, uh, Europa League type thing, which we'll come on and discuss. 
But for clubs at the lower end of the spectrum, it's even tougher because they rely more on you know gate receipts. Whereas bigger clubs, obviously, they've got they've got other streams of of revenue. So I understand that for a club like St Johnson, it's really difficult just now, right? I get that. But seventeen pound fifty for a stream, and it was I'm sure it was a similar price the last time. Yeah, and for the like the first 20, 30 minutes, there wasn't even any commentary. And right when the stream started, I think we had this image of a guy like hooking up cables and stuff like that, <laughs> setting everything up. It where's was the like, scalp cables? <laughs> Dorothy, Dorothy, where's the scalp so, cable? <laughs> it was so bad. I mean, like St. Marin, we played St. Marin in the league a couple a couple of weeks later, around about that time, around about Christmas time, and their their service was really good. You know, I think it was it was cheaper. I think it was like twelve quid. And they had a proper show. They had like someone hosting it. <clears throat> they had uh, Tony Fitzpatrick on talking about St. Merlin and all that kind of thing. And they really tried to give you your 12 quids worth or whatever it was. Yeah. It was St. Johnson. It was like, again, it was like 16, 17 pounds. And it was really, really poor. And when I saw that again today, I just thought, you know, I mean, I've had my faith in football shaking a lot over the last few years even more so over the last, last couple of days, days when you can see the difference happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just when there was a feeling that everyone was starting to fall away with that, I, I saw that tweet for St. John's and I was like, really? £17.50? Come on. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's it's. I think it's too expensive. Um, I think it's too much money. I, I, I personally think it's self-defeating. You know, I, I think there's a there's a, an amount where people will say, hi, hey, okay, I'll pay that. Yeah. I'll pay that. Um, I don't mind paying that. And I think seventeen fifty is, is over that amount. And it's one of these it's things you make it a ten well over that amount. Yeah, I think you make it you make it nine ninety nine, both of us pay it and the club get twenty quid. Yeah. You know, you make it seventeen fifty, maybe one of us buys it. So so they're losing money. Because in the end it makes no difference to them whether you know it, it doesn't change what they have to do, whether there's five thousand people watching it or fifty thousand people watching it. Same amount of work for them. So so, you know, I, I don't understand the economics in this. I don't understand where they're getting that figure from. Um, and, you know, and they're not the only club who's been charging that this season. Um, you know, in, in some ways, we've not had to pay streaming to other clubs a great deal because a lot of our games have been televised. At the same time, we have to buy Sky, we have to buy BT, we have to get Premier Sports to watch these games. So, you know, it, it swings around a bit. But uh, yeah, it's frustrating. And it was announced what, yesterday, Sunday, lots of things have gone missing in the announcements because of all the, the hullabaloo in the Super League. But uh, Sky have signed a deal to do streaming next season as well. Yeah, yeah, I didn't um, see that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't so see that we had a new shareholder, which we're about to go into with all this. Well, that's all so. happened quite quickly as well. But um, yeah, it's too much. I agree with you. I think it's too much, particularly for a game that. You know, it doesn't mean it. You know, there's nothing at stake. Three points at stake. Yes, pride at stake. Um, I agree entirely with all of that, but it's disappointing. Uh, 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 CBS and Johnson as well. Uh, it seems to me that they're one of the worst when the fans get in as well. The last I was at a game there last season. I, I, I took I, I took the boy up. Uh, one of my mates had a couple of spare tickets. It was two adult tickets. So for me and my son to get in, it was like sixty five quid. It was like thirty two, thirty three pound a ticket. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. A good day, Rangers won 4-0 and, you know, I, I, I like sort of try to introduce my son and going to away games. I don't go to a huge amount of away games but I do enjoy it when I, when I get the opportunity. And, you know, as I got out of the car I get the ticket off my mate and he, he told me how much it was. I was like, what? You know what I mean? It's just like, if I'd known that, I would maybe have thought twice about taking the tickets, you know what I mean? And, and it just seems, 
I don't know. Maybe it's because it's Perthshire and they're a bit affluent up there. But it seems it seems to me that it's because we're an old firm club. You know, I'm pretty sure that Celtic fans will get the same treatment. It's, uh, to me, it reeks of these guys will pay it, just just charge it. Absolutely. I, I mean, that's gone on for years, um, and uh, you know, <laughs> you can't take St Johnston and blame them on their own because the club set the pricing. You know, that's agreed by the league beforehand. So, so there are agreements in place of what t- what ticketing will cost, and, and clubs agree to that. Um, so it's not entirely St Johnson's fault, but yeah, the, you know the, the amount of hypocritical garbage that I've heard over the last forty eight hours, um, you know, about football and things. You know, we've been getting fleeced by other clubs as long as I've been going to watch Rangers, and, and as yeah. we found out last Friday night, that's a long time. Um, and, and, and this is this has been going on for as long as I remember. Um, yeah, and the challenge they've got is, you know, there's no alternatives to spending seventeen pound yeah. fifty, yeah, um, and and that's the challenge they've got. You know, they need to understand that that um, you know whilst whilst alternatives are maybe not as good, I don't, you know I would rather not go down that road. But you know, there's a point where you just say, aye, very good. Um, you know, you're just, I'm not just handing you over my wallet here. You know, you have to be delivering something that I'm willing to pay for. So get the pricing right and we'll do it. We'll do it. Yeah, that's how I feel. You know, I mean, I think if it's fair, then you're, you're more likely to do it. The chances are, because I'm so, as Frankie will confirm, I'm so shite when it comes to IT stuff. I probably will, because even I try and find a stream and all the rest of it, I'm one of these guys that just never works. <laughs> it just stresses me out. So I'm probably going to fork out the £17, but I'll do the it. The good thing about the streams, the good thing about the streams is, not only do you get to watch the game, but you usually get a Russian wife by the end of it as well. <laughs> so, you know. Well, you, were the game, you were watching the game in some French commentator on Sunday, you know <laughs> what I mean? I was. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what the French is for... Um, for um, for he's, he's rubbish, that Celtic centre forward, but um, I'm fairly certain that's what we're seeing an awful lot. Oh, of I, I think they felt more would come from Edward than they were actually seeing. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, right, John, the, the, it was you that made me aware of this just before we came on air. You know, it was announced today. It, also, Club 1872 made an announcement today, which we'll come on and discuss a wee bit later on. But new shareholder in the club, uh, Peron Investment, which apparently it's owned by a guy called John Halstead. He's invested $3 million and now owns 4.16% of the club. Uh, I mean, I don't know how to view this, you know, is it good news, is it bad news? I'm not really sure. I, I must admit, since everything that's happened over the last 10 years, I think I view anyone like this through sort of suspicious eyes, if you know what I mean. No, I'm, I'm yeah. not saying there's anything bad about this guy, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying I am burnt from previous experiences of, of people coming in and taking, you know, a stake in the club. So from what I'm, I had a wee look on Twitter and from what I'm reading, you know, it all seems good and it all seems positive. But you know, I'm always a wee bit. Oh God, what is this guy? What's his? What's his? What's his aim and all that kind of thing? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, well, that's exactly my feeling. Um, I'm, I'm always wary. Uh, okay, let's look at the positives. The club needs three million pounds. The club's losing money. Um, you know, it, it, we're talking about St Johnston there, and, and you know. Uh, Rangers are losing money this season despite winning the league despite having a great run in Europe we're losing money this season we're losing a lot of money um, you know this is something like the fourth shareholding um, you know, the, the fourth issue this year um, that's not sustainable 
you know, and it's it's you know that's been a great season, but that's not sustainable. Um, you know, Rangers need to find to speak in business terms, they need to find some new income streams. Um, and and let's be honest, that will involve selling players. So, and I think we all know. I think we were all surprised we didn't sell anyone last summer. Um, I think we're all accepting that we're probably going to have to sell two or three this summer because this is unsustainable. Um, so we have to welcome the investment because it, it, it's something that the club needs. I think we also have to say that the current board of directors have the club's best interests at heart. I, I, I feel that. You know, there may be other people who, who, who don't, but I think the, the vessels, the, the, not the vessels, sorry, the, the, the directors we have just now are Rangers supporters. I don't think they're in it to make money. If they are, I don't think that they are. They're going to make money. Um, I don't think there's any money to be made in Scottish football. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't think that's what they're in it for. I think they're in it because they're Rangers fans. I think they're in it because they want the club to succeed. So, they've obviously um, been uh, amenable to this sale. Um, you have to assume there's been some due diligence done on uh, Mr. Halstead and, and their own investment. Um uh, so, you know, I'm willing to go along with their judgment call on this. But like you, I am wary. I don't know why an, an American investment banker with no connections to Glasgow that I can see or have heard of, um, no particular connections to, to Rangers or even Scottish football that I'm aware of, um, would want to spend £3 million on, on Rangers. And we're the, we're the better team. We're the best team in the league. <laughs> you know, I know... I know, maybe just on Sunday. You know, I know most of the time we're not, but but um, you know, we're a really good team. Um, but I, you know, three million pounds is a lot of money. It's maybe not a lot of money to these guys, but it's a lot of money. Um, and and you do wonder, well, you know, what? How does he get his money back? Um, you know, what's what's his end game in this? Yeah. Um, uh, and and that is a bit of a concern. But the reality is, he owns only owns just over four percent of the club, so he has he has less he has less of a a shareholding, less of a a voice in the club than um, you know quite a lot of people. Um, so so we'll just have to see. You know we will just have to see. Uh, right, John. Before we move on to the, the sort of the, the next topic, I should I should point out that the Rangers playing tomorrow night. Uh, if you fancy the chance to win a share of a thousand pound, then you can play Rangers Picks, the official Rangers Pick'em game, uh, which is available to play for every Rangers match. It's totally free uh, to play. All you have to do is visit www.rangerspicks.com, uh, complete a series of questions about the game tomorrow night, uh, and that'll give yourself an opportunity to win a share of a thousand pound. The more fans that, that play, the more money the club receives. Uh, you must be over 18 to play, guys. T's and C's uh, apply, and please, as always with these things, uh, play responsibly. <clears throat> now, John, obviously there's been a lot of stuff going on over the last two or three days uh, in the sort of football world, and, 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 and Rangers are not directly involved, but I thought it was worthwhile having a wee discussion about it because we are, it does indirectly affect us, or it could anyway. Uh, and it, it, I suppose it could directly affect us in terms of qualifying for next next season's Champions League if all this stuff went through. As it turns out, as as we've been on air tonight, you know, I think a few of the clubs uh, have, have already you know distanced themselves from it and saying that they're, they're they're pulling out. There's been a there's been a couple of uh, resignations on the back yet, and you know it looks like the whole thing is is falling by the wayside. But I mean, I I don't know how you felt when when all this came out. I mean, as I said earlier, the sort of older I've got, I have become disillusioned a wee bit with football. I mean, you know, the, the general direction 
it's heading. And I mean, it's predominantly the top end of the game. But I mean, I know Scotland is a, is a little bit of a backwater, but even some of the stuff that goes on here, like the seventeen fifty for a stream, like Rangers introducing a second home kit, a retro kit that they only wear once that they charge seventy quid for, stuff like that, really does sort of nice. I can remember when Rangers brought out that retro kit. You know, I kind of debate with a couple of guys on Twitter saying well, it's up to fans to buy it and I was like yeah, it's, it's their money if they want to buy it it's up to them and I get that but you know as football clubs playing on supporters loyalty you know what I mean yeah. it's they're playing on that the, the, the love that supporters have for the club they're playing it let's bring it this top we'll wear it once we'll get beat and then you'll never see it again and we'll, we'll charge 70 quid for it so I have, I have been a wee bit disillusioned with football in, in general over the last few years but the last couple of days, honestly, got it. I felt like I was watching my favourite pub burn into the ground. You know what I mean? And like my son's coming in saying, what do you think? And I was like, I, I genuinely think the game's gone. It's, I don't know if I'll, I'll ever have the same feeling for football again. If this goes through, you know what I mean? I, I, I wouldn't say I was out, but I, I, I wouldn't be enjoying it as much, I don't think. And I would be, it just felt like a horrible, greed-motivated move. Well, it was entirely needed motivated move. I don't think there's any debate about that. Um, I mean, I think we can only look at this from a, a you know a Rangers perspective, a Rangers supporters perspective. Um, like you, you know, I became more and more disillusioned with uh, football and the direction football was going in over the last decade or so. Probably more than that. Um, I've been more resigned to it. Uh, it certainly wouldn't have had this gone through, and it does certainly at this moment it looks like it's uh, the wheels have come off. Um, well, no, but yeah. with these things they always come back. You know, well, see, my, this is that you took the words out of my mouth there. For me, this had a feeling of inevitability about it. You know, I just thought, well, this is the next logical step. Yeah. Um, you know, this has been the direction of travel. You know, we. we Rangers, I suppose Rangers need to take some blame for this because we were involved in the first Champions League. Um, but the first Champions League, and, and, and you remember this as well, we played in that group with the Champions of France, Champions of Belgium, Champions of Russia, and the Champions of Scotland. Okay? And there was very little between those four teams. You know, any one of those four teams could have won that group. Okay? Um, going into to the final to play against it, as it was, it was AC Milan, I think, that, um, yeah, yeah. in the final that year, um, who are one of the best teams in the world at the time. Um, but there was very little between those teams there. There's the gap now between the two teams who will play in the Champions League final and the champions of Belgium, Russia and Scotland now. It's, it's the same gap as there was between Rangers and a junior side at that time. Yeah. You know, um, we could compete. We could go into the European Cup at that point. And don't, don't get me wrong, we never went into the European Cup thinking, you know, we're going to win this. But we could go into the European Cup at that time thinking, there's a chance. You know, we get, that, we get the right draw. There's a chance, you know. You felt disappointed when you get knocked out because you thought, oh, you know what, if only, you know. Now, let, let's be honest here. The height of our ambition just now is qualifying. Qualifying, yeah. That's the height of our ambition. Okay. So, and, so and, for and, me, you're, you're, and, and the club only wants to qualify to secure the, the money. You know money. what I mean? You just, have, you just have to look at Celtic's sort of recent runs in the Champions League. They're getting pumps of a non for PSG and, oh. and Barcelona. And they're happy to take a pump in because they get 20 million, 30 million in the bank. 
you know, I mean, and it is becoming, as you say, the gap is becoming so much. I mean, you're saying that, you know, we, we didn't go into it expecting to win it, but we could win it. Well, again, speaking, speaking to my son about this, you know, everyone talks about 92, 93. I remember 87, 88, when we, when we put out Dynamo Kiev, yeah. there was a real feeling that we were winning yeah. it because they were the favourites. Yeah. We put them out in the first round of the tournament. We were the favourites and the landscape was pretty good in terms of getting to the final. You know, and the game against Stoubicarest Stou- 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 came at the wrong time. You know, McCoy had just had a, a, knee, a, a knee operation. I think he had like an ligament removed or something like that. So he was struggling. Butcher had obviously broke his leg earlier in the season. So it was a, it, to me, if we'd have got that, uh, Bucharest at a different time in the season, I think we could have beat them. Mm-hmm. And it just came at the wrong time. And PSV won it that season. You know what I mean, and we could we at that particular time we could have beaten PSV Eindhoven no problem at all. You yeah. know what I mean? That would have been a very close final. So I mean, everyone goes on about ninety two, ninety three, but I remember that eighty seven, eight, thinking, you know what? That was a real, real opportunity, and that's what it was like then. You know, it was disappointing if you got put out by a team that didn't go on to at least the final. Yeah, you know what I mean. In my in my time, and I know I know I know we're old. I get that. I get that there are people watching this just now like bloody hell, they're like the old men in the sea. But like the two guys <laughs> in the Muppets, you know, Waldorf, <laughs> Stapler, Waldorf. But I get that. But in my time, I've watched European Cup finals that have had Swedish teams in them, that have had Belgian teams in them, that have had Romanian teams in them, that have Serbian teams in them. Um, you know, and there's not a hope in hell of those clubs reaching. The the, the the European Cup final, the Champions League Cup final. It's the whole game is rigged. Yeah. So, as far as I'm concerned, what was announced yesterday morning, Sunday night, whenever it came out, was the inevitable next step of of where football has been going for a long time. So, is it abhorrent? It absolutely is. Is it a surprise? Not really. Um. Uh, will it happen this time? It doesn't sound like it will. Will it happen? Absolutely. You know, here's a thing which I didn't know until very recently. FIFA, right? FIFA, the organisation that looks after the whole of football. FIFA have proposed a Super League in Africa. Okay? So they've proposed, they've proposed this this year. Okay, they've proposed this the last couple of months. Okay, they have proposed a Super League in Africa where... Um, teams will buy in, right? So uh, African club football, teams will buy in to a Pan-African Super League, okay? And they'll be guaranteed to stay in that for five years, okay? And it's like £20 million to enter. You're guaranteed to be in it for five years. This is our criteria you've got to be in. Um, and, and how they're selling it to the, the various different African associations, some of whom are enthusiastic, some of whom are a bit, you know, not about this. Um, how they're selling it to them is that this will create revenue for you guys so you don't have to lose all your best players to Europe. So your best players don't, you know, go off and play for the champions of, you know, Moldova and um, Estonia and places that, that take young African lads and in, in, in the hope of, of moving them on. So that's how it's been sold to them. But the point is FIFA, FIFA literally creating a Super League just now, mm-hmm. um, which is which is basically the same premise as this one. Um, and I, I, so, you know, that's the way it's going because the football has chased money for the last 30 years and it's no, it stopped being about winning for winning's sake. And, it, and you know, you see it. I, I don't watch a lot of English football, but this whole, you know, the, 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 the chase for fourth place, 
you know, bloody hell, fourth place. Yeah, you know, when did fourth place become something anybody was proud again? You know, and and, and that's and, that's that's had a detrimental effect on the cup competitions in England because FA Cup absolutely. used to be a big thing, and it's not anymore. Clubs would rather finish fourth than win the FA Cup. Clubs would rather finish tenth than win the FA Cup because there's still more money in it for them. Yeah. And I get, I get that the economics of it are such that you know if you want to compete at that level, then you need to be earning a certain amount of money, and that money comes in via the revenues that the Premier League generate, that European football can generate. I understand that, but it's still abhorrent because it goes against everything we understand about football. You know, we when we get put into the third division. Okay, when we get put into the third division. We understood that's that that's right, that's our punishment. But we also accepted that we then have it within our own hands to get back up to where we are just now. Yeah. You know, we understood 10 years ago that that it's in our hands to bring our club back to win the league again. That was always our goal. Okay. And that's the reality for every team playing Scotland. You know, it's it's perhaps an unrealistic reality for an awful lot of them. But that's you know, so when you take that out of football, you, you obviously take something of its essence away. But you know, I, I'm you know, I'm calling bullshit in a lot of this. Breaking City today, did you see that statement from Breaking yeah, City? Yeah. I know. You know, the team have finished second bottom, have finished bottom of, of the second division for the last two seasons, but they haven't finished bottom yet, but they're going to. Saying, you know, we don't think there should be relegation this season. Yeah, I, I can't believe the absolute <laughs> nerve of you guys. Yeah. You know? know, so but the point is that Scotland had a closed system. Yes, you could be relegated. You could only be relegated so far, and eventually you couldn't. You know, Highland League teams didn't get in. You know, Lowland League teams, junior teams, they couldn't get in. It was a close shop. So, so close shops have existed in football, but not at the top level. Um, so I don't know. I bet me, I bet me, Colin was like, "I fine, I'll just go." Yeah, fine, I'll just go. Just away you go and play your game. Um, I found some of the hypocrisy from England. Yeah, that, just, that's, that's uh, the point I was going to make. I, I mean, the, the way I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Gary Neville's came out with some good stuff over the last two or three days. But he was on he was on Monday Night Football last night saying, you know, the system we have now in the Champions League is fair. And I'm like, really? Too? <laughs> when, yeah. when we win the league, you, you ask us to jump through five hoops of qualifying <laughs> rounds, whereas fourth place and one of the top five leagues just walks straight. And how is that even remotely fair? So you're right. There is there is a, a level of a sort of contradiction and, and, and hypocrisy about this and Klopp kind of called him out on it in his interview you know yeah. saying you know he played with Man United he went where the money was he's at Sky Sports just now he goes where the money was I thought it was a wee bit unnecessary but he did strike a point you know what I mean and, and some of the hypocrisy is is, is staggering really I, yeah. I mean the, 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 <laughs> and it's been compounded with this I don't know if you've seen the, the sort of proposed revamp Champions League you know it's, yeah. I actually burst out laughing reading it the day <laughs> A single league made up of 36 competing clubs. Uh, they'll play f- 10 matches, five home, five away. So you're not even playing every team that's in, in, in this one league. Uh, the top eight sides qualify automatically for the last 16. 17th place to 24th place. Then play in a, a playoff situation, home and away, to get into the last 16. And then the last 16 onwards, as, a, as it is, just... comes a knockout, yeah. And I just I was looking at it going... I mean, how long is the paper that you'll need to buy to look at the league table for a start? A 36-team league? <laughs> <laughs> Don't need to go back to the full sort of broadsheets again. You know what I mean? I just thought, and this is all to appease these big clubs that want, you know, guaranteed revenue streams. And it, yeah. it seems to me that 
I mean, I've enjoyed the Champions League over the years, and especially enjoyed, you know, 92, 93. And I love big European nights at Ibrox, and I love hearing that anthem and all the rest of it. And I love the legacy of it when you go into the blue room and the trophy room and you see all the pennants and, and you get a real sense of the history. But it just feels like we're on the wrong track here and it's oh, just yeah. all gone to shit. I mean, somebody pointed out to this the guy is at Swiss Ramble on Twitter who does a lot of the football finance. And he said today that the, the, the six, 16 clubs, is that how many it is? Um, or the 12 clubs, the 12 clubs who, who announced the breakaway, between them are in debt yeah. over yeah. three billion yeah. pounds between them. You think, well, they shouldn't be allowed to organise anything. Yeah, no. You know, they shouldn't. They shouldn't be the last people that are allowed to make any decisions in these things because these people can't run their own clubs. It's um, interesting that Chelsea and Man City were the, the first to crack on this because they're the ones that need it least of all. Yeah, you know, Man City are bankrolled by you know billionaires, Abu Dhabi or whatever it is, yeah. and 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 Chelsea have got Abramovich, so they they although they would want it, they don't necessarily need it. Whereas Spurs are a billion in debt because of that that stadium. Barcelona are an absolute shambles and Real Madrid the same, you know, the, the amount of debt that they're carrying is off the scale. So it's the clubs that are in that, that are in the biggest amount of debt that are pushing this. Yeah. And, and and you have to stand back and look at them and say, how did you get yourself into that kind of debt? I mean, you see the revenues they get. Yeah. You think, well, how is it possible you have yourself in that state? You know, you shouldn't be in that state. You no one forces you to spend that amount of money on salaries. You, know, you guys that, have decided to do that. You know, so that, that's the point. It's the, the money's coming in, but it's shark infested waters now, isn't it? Yeah. You've, the players are demanding huge salaries. Every agent, the minute he, walk, he walks through a door, he's, he's demanding a, a percentage of you know a, a, some fee or another. There was that super agent who I don't know how he done it. When who was it that moved to to Man United? I think it was when Pogba moved to Man United. He was the, he acted on behalf <laughs> of the player <laughs> and the like, club. How the <laughs> Are we going to sign? Yeah, I think we should sign. Yeah, does, does that work? Right, and honestly, some of the stuff that I see now just it does it puts you off the game so much. And it, it, it does, as you say, the amount of money that these clubs have generated over the last 20, 30 years, no club should be in, in a billions worth of debt. And and the, the, the fact that they're callously using the pandemic as well, you know, that's what's driving it. You know, oh, you know, we need to secure money because we've not had fans in for the last year. All of it, all of it reeks a wee bit. But I, I mean, I, I wanted to, I mean, it kind of ties in with, with stuff that's happened today with Club 1872. Yeah. Now, the German clubs, they were very, like, on the face of it, they were like, no, we're not interested. Don't get me wrong, I think at boardroom level, they would have been interested, but they're tied into this. Uh, the clubs that were involved anyway, Bayern Munich and Dortmund, are tied into this model that's in Germany, the 50 plus one model. Yeah. So... You know, the club has to own 50% in one share of all the available shares and no more than 49% of private investors can get in. And that means that the supporters are always sort of taken care of and, you know, the interests of the club are taken care of. Now, I was doing a wee bit of digging the day and there, there has been sort of, I mean, I think Rummenigge has been quite, he's pushed on it a couple of times saying, you know, we, we need to look at this. And there are, there are a couple of exceptions in Germany. If, if, if a private investor has been investing for more than 20 years, he can he can take ownership of the club. You've obviously got the, the Red Bull clubs over yeah, there. Yeah, Red Bull, Hoffenheim are, are, yeah. are, are, are funny so things. So there are, there are exceptions, but overall, the, the model over there, I read a really good book recently uh, called In the Sunshines Now, and it, it's about Hillsborough and how that allowed the game to change over here. That allowed people to come in and sort of say, right, okay, let's polish this up a wee bit. Let's get Sky involved. Some really dodgy stuff. And I, I, honestly, I, I recommend it. It's, it's such a good read. 
but it shows you where the game changes, you know, when it starts becoming more Aye. commercial and more about money and getting ready to sort of working class element of supporters and yeah. bringing in more middle class audience and all that kind of thing. And it, it, it goes to Germany, the author goes to Germany, he sort of, and it's their biggest fear, the supporters over there, they're, they're like petrified that their game will end up like, yeah, like the English, English game. game. Yeah. And so, I mean, it was announced today that Club 1872 had sort of purchased, I think it was another 2 million shares for like 400k or something like that. Now, I know it's, it's created a bit of debate over here, but I think, I mean, I do think in the boardrooms of Dortmund and Munich, they would have wanted to have joined the Super League. I think they would have saw the numbers and thought, that'll do us. But they couldn't because they're in this model yeah. where, you know, the that's 50 plus one and the supporters are protected and the club's protected. And it does, I mean, there are arguments, we've had this debate before, there are arguments against fan ownership as such because you need people to have knowledge and all the rest of it to run a football club, to run a business at that level. But surely the highest stake that a supporter base can get in a club to have a voice helps. And, and surely this is an example of it. You know, I, as I said, I think the German clubs would have been interested, but they, they couldn't do it. They had to sit back because the, because of this, this uh, ownership model. Have you, have you read Tor? The no. history of German football? Right, okay. Well, I'll, I'll send that to you. I recommend that to you. I recommend that to anybody who's interested in football. It's the history of, of German football. And it, and it explains the culture of how German football got to this stage. And there's a number of really fascinating things about German. German footballers were amateur right up until the late 60s. 60s, yeah. You know, the, you know, the Bundesliga was an amateur league up until the late, late 60s. The same with Holland as well, you know what I mean? And then yeah. Ajax and Munich came out of that within a couple of years, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and the structure of the clubs and, and a lot of it's to do with just German society and German culture as well and, and it is different from ours. Um, so uh, it, it, it's, it's very fortunate I think that the German clubs weren't involved in this because I think if they had Bayern Munich and Dortmund, they've got it. They've got the four big TV markets, then Italy, Spain, Germany and England. Yeah. Um, but whilst they didn't have Germany, then your French were still thinking, mm, I'm not sure about this then. And, and, and there's a wee bit of thing. But, but, but not having them, I think, is probably why this is all falling apart um, and then the kind of backlash in the, in the media. Um, <laughs> I'm a big fan. I, I, I believe in fan ownership. I think the struggle, Colin, is is the cultural change that's yeah, required yeah. for fan ownership. You know, I mean, I live in I live in you know west just west in the west of Glasgow. Clydebank are, are fan owned, okay, um, and, and and I know a few guys who are Clydebank fans, and and I know the difficulties that even a club that size has in appeasing its fan base because everyone goes, oh, no, it's a bloody club, I have right. a say, you know. <laughs> And and the, that's actually not how it works. You know, it's a bit like you know, it's a bit like a trade union. If if people can remember what trade unions were like, um, you know, you vote, you you have a vote, you have a say, but you have to then vote people in to make you know to go and do things for you on your behalf. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that's kind of how it has to work. And culturally, we are we're so far away from that. Um, you know, I saw I saw something earlier on today talking about this chap who's, we were talking about earlier, the American guy, and it described him as, um, um, they, I believe he is extremely wealthy, right? And I, and I just, I held my head in my hands, I thought, you know, that's, the, that's what matters here. This guy's extremely wealthy. This guy might pour millions into the club, you know? Have we learned nothing? Nothing, I know. I you know, know. we still, is that still what's important here? That's not what's important here. 
you know, um, and, and trying to get around that mentality is hard. So I, I feel sorry for, for Club 1872 because I do at times think they get, um, I think they sometimes they get criticised for stuff that they don't deserve criticised for. But at the same time, I know people who are quite big advocates of of, um, of fan ownership who would like to be involved, who have criticisms of, of Club 1872 and, and, and um, you know, some of the communication and things like that. So, um, you know, it, 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 it is a challenge. Um, and it's going to be an ongoing challenge. It, it's impossible for the big clubs in England. It is possible for us. But, you know, Dave King announced, what, six months ago now, he wanted to sell his shares to, to the support. Yeah, I don't see the support. I, you know, and they're not biting their hand off yeah. often for it. You know, our whole way, you know, has not been fan ownership. Our way has been, you know, John Lance running in the club. John Lance supported Rangers. You know, John Lance was a, a Glasgow guy. John Lance was a guy in business here. Um, you know, that's that's how the structure of our club was. Then, you know, Lance Malware was there, you know, and, and, and David Holmes running the place. And then obviously Murray. Um, but, you know, we know what happened after that. And, and we're lucky just now. You know, I do you know, take this full circle. I think the guys in charge are really supporters. You know, I think we are supporter-owned just now, but, but it's, it's not the same. It's, it's not, and it, the, you've always got the potential that it's not always going to be like that. You know, no. what I mean, we've had that, we've had, the, we've had the crooks in. Yeah. You know, what I mean, and that—that's my worry. I can remember. I think David Murray's got a lot to answer for, for this because I think we have a whole generation that grew up expecting, well, that—that's how football works. You have a sugar daddy, yeah. and he puts the money into the club. I can remember, like, like before, like I had kids and all the rest of it. You know, a lot of the times I just go to the game myself, you know, because my mate had stopped going, so I'd go in and I'd always pop in. Remember the Vale next to Queen Street? Yeah. Right, dodgy yeah. wee pub. I'd always go in there for a pint before I, I got my train. And I heard this guy talk next to me about, eh, hey, David Murray, that's David Murray, that. And it was around about the time things were going to be a bit south. You know, the debt was off the scale and, you know, the Rangers Supporters Trust had started and, and I'd been sort of involved in some of that. and I'd been speaking to Colin Class at the time. And I turned around and I says, look, mate, David Murray's nose... He's not all that, you know what I mean? You know, we, we need to get away from that. And he turned around, and this, this is his very words, David Murray's bigger than Rangers. David Murray is Rangers. And I was like, whoa. I was like, mate, Rangers were there before David Murray was, and they'll be there a long time after. You know what I mean? We need to get away from this mentality that without him, we don't have a club. You know what I mean? And you're right, culturally, I think it's hard to break. Yeah. And, and, and it doesn't say, I'm not saying it can't be done, but... It's a hard thing to do. And when you've been through what we've been through, you think we would be the one. You Of all the clubs in this in Scotland, you'd think we'd be the most wary. And, you know, we're not. You know, there's still an apathy around that. There's still a feeling of, I'll buy my season ticket. You know, I'll buy the strip. What do you want from me? You know, and, and I understand that because these things are expensive. And you do wonder if the club said, you know what, see your season ticket next season. We're going to take fifty percent off it, right? But we want you to pay us the same amount of money, and we'll give you shares for the rest of it. You know, it almost needs somebody to kind of think outside the box. But the club isn't in a position just now to to to, to turn away half of its season ticket revenue. Um, but it maybe could do it in a different way, where where buying shares becomes something that that supporters just do. Um, uh, but then you're still in the danger. I mean, these shares today, he didn't buy these shares from another. You know, they didn't, these shares didn't exist until today. Yeah. You know, there's just more shares that get, you know, we just created more shares. So it's a real challenge. Um, and I, I, it would be great. It would be great if we, 
were in a position where we knew Rangers were safe, that the people, you know, that it would be impossible for somebody to do this to Rangers without the fans being on side. But at the same time, Colin, I think had they got this off the ground, you know, if they hadn't, if it hadn't collapsed after two days, if they persevered with it, if this had got started, you know, if next season, you know, Barcelona were playing Man United and AC Milan were playing Liverpool and, and this was on TV and it would be in TV somewhere, um, eventually Bayern Munich would say, you know what, that, that, we need to be competing against them. We are the same size as these guys. We need to be competing against them. And I think eventually the Bayern Munich fans would have said, yeah, we should be. You know, we, we didn't agree with it, but we should be competing against these ones. Um, and, and I'm also of the opinion, I'm not sure how much worse it would be than, than, than the Champions League. You know, I mean, yes, okay, we can just about qualify for the Champions League just now, but they don't want this. You know, they don't want the Scottish teams in the Champions League. They, you know, we, the Europa League is where, is where we belong. You know, we, that's a competition that we can actually get into and, and, and play against teams that we have a chance of beating and competing with and enjoying ourselves. You know, Champions League, I, mean, I hate to sound defeatist, but you got that Champions League and, and you know, there is a chance you're utter tanking or somebody. Yeah, yeah. Um, because the disparity between the clubs is ridiculous. And it's frustrating when you are a big club. You know, and I, I know you get no, there's no God-given right in football. You know, and that's the thing I think that a lot of these guys in that in those 12 completely forgot about. It's no God-given right in football. You know, it has to always be earned on the pitch. But, you know, when you're a club with the support we have and and the loyal support we have and, and, and in times fanatical support we have, it's not right that, you know, the fourth biggest, the fourth best team in England one year gets straight in. And, and 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 you know we don't. That, that's not right. You know that, that goes against everything we were brought up to understand about football. Yeah. You win that league, you go into the next one. And the ultimate at that was the was the European Cup final. When you got to the European Cup final, you could go no higher. That was it. That was it. You'd reach the pinnacle, um, and then you start again. So um, yeah, I'm glad it's falling apart. I'm not oh, going to actually because it, it, you know they gave us a chance of winning it next year. Was <laughs> <laughs> in, in Antwerp in the final. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, uh, you know, and it's the thing, it's something we could probably talk about all night. Um, and, and I appreciate that we, we, we can't, but um, it's it's as it's quite depressing. I, I, what UEFA is going to bring in in its place, I suspect, wouldn't be much better. You know, I don't, I don't see this as being a kind of um, a seismic moment, Colin, where where football suddenly changes direction and, 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 and you know, we go back to, to what it was meant to be. I, I don't think that's what's happening here. You know, I think people in England would be celebrating the fact that, you know, Sky keep pumping £5 billion into the English Premier League instead of, you know, well, sticking £50 million into others. You know, yeah. this isn't suddenly going to change things for us. We're still going to be on the outside looking in. Um, we're just looking in a different window. Well... Well, I mean, you're right, John. We could we could talk about it all night. You know, what I mean, and it, it has. I mean, I, I would I'm obviously delighted after Sunday's result, but I must admit, like for a, a good bit of yesterday, and for most of the day, I was just like, oh my god, this is so bad. Uh, and and even although it's kind of fell by the wayside, it's still few. It's still leaving a, a, a rotten taste in my mouth. I must admit, and I I, I do think they were back, but. As I say, that's maybe a discussion uh, for another day. Well, we'll talk about over this summer. We will, yeah, and, and I'll send you that book. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you Tor. <laughs> right, guys, I think that's uh, all we've got 
time for tonight. So a big thanks to John for his contribution there. Some interesting stuff, as always, from him. Uh, we'll have a show out on Friday to preview St. Johnson Part 2. And obviously, we'll have the flagship show on Sunday looking at how we got on. Hopefully, we'll, we'll get through that and into the next round of the Cup. In the meantime, get yourself on to the, 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 the Jersnet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Guys, until next time, stay safe. Bye for now.